Hello and welcome to the Total Football Podcast. My name is Declan Heron and today I'm joined by Andrew Conway. Hello. Christmas is over, but the festive football period is only just beginning. Over the course of the next 15 days, only one will not feature some form of English top-flight football. That brings us straight into the news. It all started Friday night in the Emirates Stadium, a six-goal thriller between Arsenal and Liverpool. Finished 3 all. No team can defend in the Premier League, especially not Arsenal and Liverpool. And they yeah, they're, they're probably the two uh, worst examples of defending in the league this season. It was poor. Like The match was very stop and start there was Liverpool had you know comfortable in the first half is how I yeah they scored a goal through an absolute weird mistake of the one of the shortest players in the field getting up and hitting a lobbed head yeah. over it was a well taken header like I wouldn't have expected that to come from Coutinho but it no, was just such sloppy defending running the classic as we said it's a, it's a style this season the Premier League it's just run through defences and they won't know what to do about it and that's what happens yeah like no one picked him up Maitland not his positioning was a bit off as he's a you know he's not yeah. left back for some reason yeah and like he's a youngster being thrown in at the deep yeah. end but as well. Kal- Kal- Kalasinac yeah why is he not playing that's who knows, my question who knows who knows but you know away from that Coutinho did well Liverpool did you know we're comfortable going in half time. Yeah, I know. Like this, was it Mo Salah scored the second goal or was it Firmino? Uh, Mo Salah scored it right after the break. Yeah, and I was like, oh yeah, that's it done. Like yeah. I, I was cooking dinner at the time and I could only hear the commentary coming from my laptop. Yeah. And I just hear, oh, Alexis Sanchez has scored. I'm like, yeah. oh, what? Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, okay, that's kind of weird that I actually got one back yeah, so quickly yeah, yeah like it was immediately and then somehow and, Jacka got the ball no one attacked him okay I'm gonna have a shot yeah because I went back to cooking then and I just hear the commentator be like oh and it's two all and I'm like what it just makes no sense at all like uh, Simon Mignolet yeah like we're recording this a good few days after the uh, after the events of that match but yeah. I'm still baffled as to how a professional keeper could make a mistake like that well, he's still that. on the Liverpool side you know he's still getting new plays against Swansea like he's supposed to be a good shot stopper that's it's, always the kind of thing people will say about a keeper who's who's okay but not actually great yeah oh he's a good shot stopper like that's the only thing you need from a keeper I don't know there's a wonderful stat that had uh, from the match and it was what was it I think it was Simon Mindley had conceded three goals and not saved any shots in that yeah. match against Arsenal and if he had played for Manchester United in place of David Gea yeah. the weeks previous the score would have been 15-3 something like that something yeah, like maybe 14-3 yeah yeah it's like he makes a Liverpool their defence has been criticised but I think like they did an okay job until they just kind of fell apart yeah like like Liverpool this isn't the first time they've been, they've kind of given up a, a comfortable lead and conceded three goals they did against Sevilla and yeah. they're a team that have been kind of known for, like, Chris Bull is probably the most famous example, when Crystal Palace scored three goals. Three goals. Yeah, but that was under Rodgers, but I do, yeah, this season even, you see against Man City, against a quality side, they kind of just, they let one in, then they let another, then they let Yeah, another. but like, but even the, by their standards, this was like, high quality collapse. Yeah, it was, and Ozil's finish with the third, was, it was a great fit, kicked it Even then, I still question the way Mignolet dived, it was very cartoonish. No, but Ozil's done that before. Yeah, it was, a, it, was a good, it was a good finish, yeah. Mignolet's but, one of his favourite goalkeepers to score on yeah, as well. Um, but then, you look at it and Arsenal couldn't even hold on then, and their defence was almost as bad as Mignolet. Yeah. It was like Koscielny, who was, you, you know. Koscielny had a very poor game. He's had a poor last while, he's yeah. Yeah. Making, he is getting on, in fairness. 
Well, he's just advancing very quickly and trying to get into the play more, which is fair enough. He's the captain, or the you know, generally he's the yeah. captain of the team. Like he was at fault against Man United for yeah. the first goal, like that. He's running out of position and he's not leaving any cover. If you saw Mustafi, who you know has his detractors, but he's been in good form recently. Came back from injury in the second half. He came on in the second half. Yeah, Monreal, I believe it was injured. I think. I'm gonna yeah, say I think that's what it was. He came on and he, you know, he did well for the for the second half. But the only thing he was really called into question, called into action for, was that goal where Koscielny was gone. And you could see Mustafi with two Liverpool attackers in front of him, and he's just like he's holding like his arms. He doesn't know where which one to go to. Yeah, and they just you know or easily just walk around him because you know. He, can't, he's not a he's a sitting target and then they put yeah. the ball in the back net you know check out a touch but that was it and they finished three all then but the thing is uh, with this game now I've kind of picked up on a pattern that the Emirates is the best place to be in the Premier League because it's the best stadium the three best games of the season so far for me have all happened at the Emirates which were what Arsenal-Liverpool Arsenal-Liverpool on Friday the Arsenal-Man United match which was frantic like it was one of the most incredible matches in the Premier League's had in a while yeah. and then the opening match of the season uh, on the Friday between Arsenal, Arsenal and Leicester, Leicester that finished 4-3 to Arsenal and last season's opening match was at the Emirates as well between yeah Arsenal between these two yeah, I always look forward to an Arsenal-Liverpool match yeah, like they're, they're incredible they cannot defend and you know, there's a lot of goals guaranteed no matter what. I thought yeah. there'd be goals when I saw this match at the beginning. Yeah, I was I was hyping it up as well throughout the day. But yeah, it, it did fulfil it. And for neutrals, as they like to say, it was a great game for the neutrals. Yeah, it really was. Uh, and well, you know, it changed nothing in the in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, the just, table. you know, and draw kind of suited neither side. Yeah. But then the following day, nothing really. Yeah, Man United. Then the next day, they they've had a poor Christmas break. Maybe they had a bit too much turkey. Uh, oh. Um, because well they wouldn't have had the turkey before they played Leicester but maybe it was on their minds yeah maybe uh, they were thinking about the gravy oh the, the glorious gravy and making them Christmas dinner for themselves but anyway Man United were appalling against Leicester and were appalling against Burnley yeah they've two two all draws yeah but it's an unusual kind of scoreline to get twice of, in a row yeah it is and but they're kind of different matches Like yeah they were First match, they went ahead. They seemed to be well. First match, they actually they went behind initially, and then they yeah, came back. Like they when they went one 0 down, I remember thinking, "Oh, they're going to go two one." Like they yeah. they were in that kind of mood. Yeah, and but, even you felt that I felt that certainly when I saw the Burnley match. Even when they went two 0 in the Burnley match, I was the like, Bur- oh, Burnley like, match. I, I wasn't as certain. No, but I I had that sneaking suspicion, especially after the match yeah, that's so. fair. But like they were not good against Leicester. They re- recoiled into yeah, their own they, box. I know you were saying earlier that, you know... They did create a lot of chances, yeah. but they were so wasteful. Like, Martial, normally very good in front of goal, missed an absolute sitter against Leicester. Yeah. like Mi- Jesse Lingard hit the post he did, when he should have scored. And Schmeichel had a, had an okay game after the letting in the second goal. Yeah. But, you know, you can say what you want about missed chances, but you, anyone can miss chances. Any team can Yeah, yeah, chances. that's, you know, that's going to happen. missed a lot of chances, we'll come talk to in a while, against Real Madrid, and Real Madrid missed a lot of chances against them. But they're good teams and they came back and... You know, yeah, missing a lot of chances is no excuse to go ahead and give away a 2 Yeah, because they didn't... They never looked. They just... The subs were negative. They played really defensive. Yeah, bringing on Ander Herrera for Jesse Lingard is very questionable. Like, it's a p- typical Mourinho kind of sub. Like, Lingard is one of the best players on the pitch. Like I said, he missed that chance. Yeah. But he still... His movement has been great. Like, he's one... He's in form the most, at the moment, yeah, he's he probably in the form of his career so far yeah. at the moment. And to hook him off like that just felt so unnecessary. Yeah, and just so we're going to confirm the result now. We have to yeah, and then Chris Smalling was injured and couldn't come off because... They'd already used all three subs. Yeah, and they didn't want to play 10 men against yeah. 10 men, even though like 
Well, they basically were playing 10 men against 10 men with Pierre mm-hmm. out of position covering for Smalling. But even before Smalling got injured late, very late on in that match, United, when they had the ball and they did, like Leicester were giving up the ball a lot. Yeah. They like, were They, they were, were like stretched. susceptible to the counter. They were ten, they're down to 10 men. They had players sent off. They were retired, clearly. Yeah. They also were playing a lot of matches in a few days, so they were managing their squad. Yeah. And they were, United would just play long aimless balls, hoping for to catch a runner over the top or try to like make a quick counter. They weren't actually forming anything up when they had the numerical advantage. They had the lead. Yeah, they should they have been dominating players. the game, like just yeah. closing it out, easy, just recycling possession. Yeah. Instead, they were the... just they were camped in their own half, hoping to catch Launching them on the break. Launching it forward, yeah. hoping for something to happen. As you said, there was there was situations. I think you. you uh, was it Rashford you said broke down the left hand side yeah and like Lingard or wouldn't have been Lingard Lingard would have been off but it was Lukaku and another Manchester United player I don't know who Mkhitaryan it could have been Mkhitaryan actually because yeah, he did come on were clear on goal they were onside one of the Leicester players was playing them onside like you could eat like the ball wasn't a difficult ball for mm. someone of Rashford's quality yeah, to hit it's a square ball and for over distance yeah and he just held on to it held on to it, held on to it, and then he passed it sideways to Nemanja Matic. Which clearly is tactical instructions because it's been told to do not give up the possession in the yeah. ball. Don't kick the ball away. We're nearly at it. Hold up the ball and I, I've time. noticed that a lot because like, the Burnley match is still fresh on my mind now because we're recording it on the Tuesday. Yes. And like, just Rashford, the only passes he made were backwards in this match, mm. which is... Not like him. Like he's normally very like he likes to go forward with the ball. He likes to pass and then make himself available with another run. Mm-hmm. Like, but Mourinho criticized very the out players. of form. Out of form. Mourinho's criticized the young players after that match and then after the Burnley match today, saying they've a lot to learn. They have to do a lot. You have to work with them a lot. You have to tell them. But I don't do think he like it. Just doesn't like Mourinho's not that kind of manager. He doesn't work with young players. No, but Mourinho's using them as an excuse, which is further. You know, a player like Rashford, who you said isn't in the best form right now, who is playing a lot of football. Yeah, like Martial's injured at the moment. Yeah, he's covering for Martial almost, and you know Ibrahimovic isn't doing it either. And yeah, like, he was very poor against like, Burnley. Lukaku's not really pulling his way. He's getting a he's not goals here and he's there. not scoring, but he is still playing quite well. Like, yeah, he's, he's creating chances. He's for creating others. chances, but there's nobody. Nobody's like, nobody's taken advantage exactly, of them. Yeah. Exactly, and that's kind of it's putting pressure on the say the more creative players in the team. Yeah, to like do something. Mkhitaryan's is, in awful form despite yeah. him winning Armenian Player of the Year again. He still doesn't have you know ma- the backing of his manager. Really, he's not starting every match. Yeah, it seemed like there was a big row between the two of them recently. So it appears it's, it's like, like rows going on everywhere. But like, like it's, it's a very like, third season Mourinho. Yeah, it seems to be happening already, and. You know, he's saying that three hundred million pounds wasn't enough to be spent on this squad. Yeah, like that's uh, they're not. You know, they're not. They cannot possibly challenge for the league. He'll blame everyone but himself. Exactly. And like the, I know. Like I tweeted this during the match. Like I noticed this a lot. Like the difference between Burnley and Man United was Burnley were they. Were, you could see how well coached they were. They were everything. Like every player knew their instructions, knew what to do, knew to keep the shape, and like they were just unfortunate they were playing against this Man United team who have all the money behind them yeah. and all the time in the world to get two goals because they scored the two goals, two goals early. Relatively early. Yeah. yeah. And they hit the post and they had other chances yeah. to early. They weren't just like uh, Mourinho tried to paint them as uh, smash and grab merchants. No, they after the match they he were was very good. That, like, oh, yeah. There's nothing I can do. If they a, were if playing nicer football. Yeah, they were actually they are actually Away, playing nicer football in a venue where Man United haven't lost in two years, other than Man City. Yeah. 
You know, they they have no, you know, they have they had no expectations before the match. They'd just been destroyed. We we're going to speak about it probably in a second, but they they played Spurs at the weekend or the couple of days ago, not the yeah. weekend, like two days ago, they played Spurs. And they were absolutely destroyed by Spurs. They were yeah. So that's what I mean. This is the difference between a well-coached side in Burnley and a team which is no shape, no organisation, uh, no cohesion. They, the, they, just don't, do they don't know. The players don't know their instructions. They're just told to basically have fun. Yeah, but that's, that goes, that's the antithesis of Mourinho. That is what you just said. What was it there? Shape? Shape, cohesion and organisation. They used to be the, the, you know, the hallmarks of a Jose Mourinho team. That's the only reason you'd hire them. Yeah, is because that's but like the defense. Like, how can a defense with players as tall as Manchester United players are be conceding goals on set pieces so consistently? Well, because, well, like I'll ask you, I'll counter that your question with a question: Why is Mourinho insisting on playing Nemanja Matic, a player he fell out with while at Chelsea? Yeah, he's been very poor. Like he started the season fine. Yeah, he's, he's been very poor in the last. But few he's weeks. played in four or five different positions, and he's changing. He played centre back against Burnley today. Yeah, like, and you have. 300 million worth of expenditure some of it on defenders yeah like Victor, where's Victor Lindelof yeah where is he so where, where is uh, da- uh, Daily Blind yeah Daily Blind is I think he played against Leicester or no, no he played against Bristol City but like that's as much as he's going to get yeah but like these are you know whatever you say about Daily Blind he, play, he played in a World Cup semi-final that position yeah like he's a, he's a good like he's a good squad player to have yeah like why are you playing out and then you're like it's not just you're playing Jumana Matic at centre-half. You're then weakening your midfield because the thing Man United had today, which is why it probably took them 90-whatever minutes to get a, their equaliser, yeah. was they had no midfield to run any creativity through. It's all Pogba. Yeah, Pogba, Pogba is being relied upon way too heavily. Like, he's not that player. He'll never be that player. He's not. No, but the thing is, like, we're criticising their performance, but they're still a lot better than when Pogba wasn't there. Yeah, because yeah, they have someone who's running. Yeah, because previously it was what Juan Mata maybe or Ander Herrera maybe. Like he's not just the link between midfield and attack. He is midfield and attack at this yeah. point, which you can't yes. have. Like sure, he's the second, third most expensive player in the world now, or fourth. Is he that? I think he's low now because Usman Dembele is Mbappe yeah. in the summer and Neymar. And Coutinho probably overtake him as well. Yeah, but still, he was the most expensive. He at was the time. at one point, yes. But that's not. That doesn't mean he should be the only person being the midfield and attack. Yeah, it's still a team game. Yeah, and but you see, that's the problem is they're putting so much focus on him, and he's taking the brunt of criticism then from a place of people like me who think, well, Pogba didn't really do anything because he didn't do anything. The ball will come to him; he'd make a run, it would fail. Ball will come to him; he'd stray a pass, it would fail. See, yeah, like there is like he he no he makes there. chances, but the chances aren't being taken. Yeah, but the 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 game he is not a player. Like I I believe this, and maybe I'm in the minority. I do not believe Pogba as a team is a player you build the team around. I think he's a player that's a luxury, that is a great asset to a team that can add something to it. That you build the team around other creative players. I don't think him. I think that would be right in a Mourinho team, which is the case. I yeah. think with a better manager, he could like learn from that manager. Maybe indeed. like if like he imagine if he was in. The, imagine just if Pep was Manchester United manager for a second. Yeah. How much better Paul Pogba Yeah, would I don't be. even know where Paul Pogba would play in a, in a Pep team. That's how much of a difference it would make. Yeah. Because at the moment, I don't know what Pogba is. Like, he's not playing like where he was at Juventus. He's not in the same position. He's kind of just 
free in central midfield. But yeah, you that's have to Mourinho. Drop to the deep of central midfield. Like the two substitutions now, in fairness, they worked for Mourinho, and that's the kind of risk that managers take. Yeah. But the two substitutions Mourinho made at halftime against Burnley were he took off Zlatan Ibrahimovic for Henrik Mkhitaryan, mm-hmm. and he took off uh, Marcus Rojo, who was on a yellow for. Jesse Lingard. Yeah. Jesse Lingard scored both goal, scored both goals, yeah. but it could have easily gone up in his face. Yeah. It reminded me so much of in the second leg, and obviously I'm going to think of Ireland more than other people yeah. probably would. But it reminded me of Martin O'Neill bringing on Aidan McGeady at halftime against Denmark, and the other player he brought on, and just yeah, completely just not working. I think it was Wes he brought on as well. Yeah, it didn't work at the time, but it worked. Like, what if we just bring on as many attacking players as we can? Hope for the best. And assume the other team can't possibly attack. Because Lingard scored, like, Lingard got a lot of chances. He had a very unlucky. Yeah. Duncan Castle said it was more of a face. Then it was a save. Yeah, he kind of just hit Nick Pope in the in the face, but like that's good positioning by Nick Pope. Yeah, he got there. He got him to the end of it. Yeah. You know, he Lingard did well, but I the Mkhitaryan did nothing. Yeah, he and he was the other risk. You know, he could have easily have thrown someone else on instead of Rojo. Yeah, well, like Rojo impressively has played five games since coming back from injury, and he's got a yellow card in every match. Yeah, I think he's on his way out of that club. But there's a lot of players who seem to be on. Like, like Man United have turned this. Like last season in August 2016, I believe Mourinho said that the, he had a team that could challenge for the league. And where did they finish last season? Sixth. Yeah. This season he spent how much? Uh, spent excess. 75 million on Lukaku, Alone, 30 million yeah. on, on, on Lindelof. Lindelof. Uh, they, who else did they bring in? They spent, they spent money that other summer as well. Yeah. Like they brought he in spent Ponsa, million. He spent 300 yeah. million on Manchester United. And now he thinks that they can't challenge. And his club isn't, you know, you, you can't expect them to be up there in Man City. When, you know, Man City are a better team. They're probably going to oh, win the yeah. league. They're probably going to win the league no matter what. But there's sure know, the gap is just going to be bigger hear, now. Like Pochettino, Tottenham are behind Manchester United right now. Chelsea are a point behind Manchester. United. Yeah, Man United, like they've got a lot of problems, but they are still second. Yeah, no, and I don't hear Conte or Pochettino or Wenger or Jurgen Klopp bemoaning any of this stuff. That no, knows. like Conte was very complimentary of Man City recently, yeah, and they're all under immense pressure. Like Wenger and Arsenal's under immense pressure. Like maybe everyone accepts that it's not going to change. Yeah, but he's still under pressure. Pochettino's been under immense pressure. Like Conte's been like effectively sacked several times a season. Yeah, he's going through a, a Van Hal phase. Yeah, but none of these teams like they're all under a huge pressure and facing criticism. But none of them are throwing both like Mourinho in the last few days has thrown his entire team under the bus, has criticised young players for not being able to do what they're told, and he's criticising Ed Woodward as well now for not spending enough. Who's his boss essentially? Yeah. Like it's he's going through his little rule book of what happened when he was at yeah it, like it's season. very much like he is just going through his third season instead of his yeah. second season. But we said this earlier in the in the season. I said it. I remember when the first little blip United had um, near the beginning of the, or near the the middle of the first half of the season. Yeah, and you know he came out of it at the end of it, and we kind of forgot and didn't forget about it. But we kind of just went, moved on with our lives. Yeah, there were other crises going and on. It's coming back again, and I you know. He's managed not to lose these two matches despite his best efforts. Yeah. And, you know, they go forward now and they play. Who do they play next? Um, I'm not sure, actually. Yeah, but they've next. got another couple of matches as he's been made. You yeah. Know, he's made everyone aware that Man United fixture congestion, even though it's in the middle ranking of the fixture, you know, who has the most fixtures in this time and the fewest amount Yeah, of they, they put up a post on the official website of Manchester United saying this was the, the hardest 
fixture congestion of any team in the top six was Manchester United's with like stats to back yeah, it up when they were all there everyone's nonsense. except for Arsenal are in that same you know kind of level I think they have four to six rest days in inverted yeah. commas in the in the Christmas festival but there Chelsea did something similarly back in 2015 yeah, when Marino saying, was there saying referees don't give Chelsea enough penalties yeah and like that is the low, that's the common denominator. It's Mourinho who yeah. like the only instance where the official website will speak for the for the manager. You know, like that, we can talk excuses. about Mourinho till the cows come home about it because he he's deflecting attention from his team on him, but like he doesn't need to deflect the attention. No one's blaming like Manchester United players are kind of getting away with this. No one's criticizing Lukaku for not scoring goals. No one's well, criticizing it's more of the Manchester United fans. They're like I've seen a lot of criticism for Lukaku. Uh, Maybe I mean, not in the last in more couple general weeks. sense. I think that they're getting away with it, and I don't mind them because everyone's attacking Mourinho on this. I think that's fair though. Like yeah. Mourinho, like I think, like I've just looked it up there. Man United playing Southampton next. Like the Southampton at home, like. That's a match they need to win. Yeah, uh, like if they don't win that, they're under a lot of pressure. But it's gonna go on to Mourinho. Like Mourinho is the like it's a great squad. The players all have immense talent, but just Mourinho doesn't seem like he's capable. No. And uh, what is the... further down the table is what I was going to talk about next. Swansea sacked Paul Clement. Yes. A player who was or a manager who was under immense pressure. At long last, Paul Clement has left the Premier League once yeah. again, or for the first time as actual manager. He's left England as a manager once again. Yes, that's yeah. basically what's happened to him. Swansea weren't doing well. He didn't really wasn't pulling anything out of them. They've kind of lost the Swansea way. Whether they're going to return to that or not is another question. They're not playing free flowing attack. And yeah, they brought in Leon Britton. You know, he is of the Gary Monk school. He's he been he at, was statistically the best player in the world for a time. There was, and he had better pass completion than Xavi and, and Iniesta. And, Iniesta so. and he was doing amazing things, and he was 600 passes and stuff like that. You know, he is, he is. you know, I'm hopeful for him. They didn't win. No. No, they've lost to Liverpool. You know, that's the only, you know, thing that's hurting them at the moment. That They, they still can't score. They still can't win. They are still lacking a lot of players the transfer window's coming up I don't know are they going to give Leon Britton the budget to yeah. well, who will he sign who but, knows but Andrew is it time for Marcelo Bielsa I want Marcelo Bielsa in the Premier League I think Swansea fits him I think he fits the, the Swansea way I think he could come in Leon Britton could be his assistant we'll have like a like, little Ryan Giggs Louis Van Hal. Oh, that'd be excellent you know yeah and I think that would be great and, and you know Swansea might win the Europa League and get relegated in the same season that would be glorious we can all hope. We yeah. can all hope. Hopefully Mark Bielsa will come to Swansea. And uh, then closing out the news in Spain, El Clasico happened over the weekend. Yeah, it happened on Christmas Eve at uh, 12 o'clock. It was a very early yeah, kick-off. It was, uh, For it the was... Asian markets was the official reasoning. Yeah, and very... they, they didn't want to compete with the, the Premier League as well, it seems. Yeah. Because there was of... Premier League matches on all day that day. Yeah, but you know... One thing about the organisation of the league, they seem to not... One, they don't have confidence in their own product. Because they've done this multiple times. They've yeah. things around. So it's they the same clash. in Serie A as well. They try not to clash with England. Yeah, but like I think Serie A have more confidence in themselves because they keep to their... Okay, we have matches on... Yeah, they have, Saturday they, it's night a tradition. Sundays. Yeah. There are big matches. Occasionally we'll have them on a Friday night for blah, blah, blah. In Spain, they don't... like They do have those traditions similar to Italy. You know, Saturdays and Sunday, Saturday and Sunday afternoons. You know, that's their kind of time yeah, of their yeah. matches. Uh, but they're not doing it. They're just kind of rearranging everything, putting things on Friday night, putting things really late in the night. 
It seems like they're trying to, like, there is a, a, a late night kind of tradition in Spain as well. Mm-hmm. But it seems like they're trying to do what Sky have done in England with, like, oh, we'll create a brand like Monday Night Football yeah. and then we'll try to create Friday Night Football, make it into an actual thing. But it hasn't worked at all. No. Like, Germany have been way more successful with their own version of Sky for doing the exact same thing on Friday nights and getting, yeah. you know, big, big football in there. It's like they're trying to jump through a few steps forward. It's as if, you know, you ever see the, the DC films, the Justice League, the Batmans, as yeah. building a cinematic universe before you have the actual, uh, you know, core in place. And I don't think they have it in place in Spain. So does that make the Premier League the Avengers? It might. It might for the time being. Oh. See if that will implode on them, yeah. But to go actually back to the football that was played during the classical, <laughs> Real Madrid... dominant 3-0 win. Yeah, by Barcelona. Real Madrid was outplayed at home. Yeah, that's the three three losses at home to Barcelona and La Liga. I was watching segments of this match and the it just completely disintegrated into I was watching a point where Messi had the ball and he was just running at them. But he wasn't running with any great pace, but there's no one chasing them. There was very time. little running. Like I, I only started watching it for the second half because I realised it was free on TV, oh, okay. which was pretty handy. It was. It happens from time to time. Yeah, because I went down thinking maybe the Everton match would be on TV because yeah. it's the lesser match yeah. in a way. Um, but there was just no running. Everyone was just standing around. It was very like a throwback to 2008-2009 when that Barcelona team would just walk around, yeah. pass the ball and create like a gap. The you know we, we talked about last week, the pre-season match, the Super Cup final in yeah. Spain, which was taken a lot more seriously and a lot more ferociously by Real Madrid. And there was hard tackles, crunching tackles, close pressing on the Barcelona players. And this is the exact opposite. Barcelona passed around... You know, it was it was like watching Barcelona of old, Iniesta in there, Messi, beautiful passing in midfield, holding onto the ball, getting a touch of the ball and passing it, and getting a touch and passing it. You know, a very high pass completion rates. But Real Madrid were not coming anywhere near them. They weren't tackling. They weren't creating chances. And just, you know, Real Madrid were inviting Barcelona on the whole match. And it was just a matter of time before Barcelona scored, which they did through Luis Suarez initially. And then yeah. Messi scored the penalty from one of the best penalty wins you're going to see yeah Danny Carvajal absolutely did not need to save it with his hand if you didn't see it it was Barcelona had an attack they'd outnumbered Real Madrid in the box somehow Luis Suarez and Messi contrived not to score a goal but it worked out in their favour to not score well it didn't it didn't the ball did eventually go into the back of the net but right before it did Danny Carvajal dived and made a fairly good save with his hand but his head was like on the way to also making the yeah, save it could have could have been a save. it was almost a glorious piece of football or uh, defending but unfortunately for him it hit his hit his hand and yeah. stopped on the line red card penalty Messi actually scored this penalty for the first time in a while which was a, a turn up for it yeah and then um, later on in the match there the was game a, was dead at that point yeah after that it was just joking it felt like a, a, a training match Barcelona passing ground Real Madrid creating a couple of chances which were saved comfortably enough by the yeah keeper. and then the last goal that Barcelona scored uh, Messi of all players in like 90 something minutes yeah sliding to keep the ball in it didn't really say him but his, one, play on because, one of his boots off his yeah, foot his boot as well came off, his right boot came off he came into the Real Madrid box. He skinned Marcelo, who was so angry at the whole event. Yeah. Just gave up that point. And then Messi was on goal and then squared it for a tap-in for his teammate. And that was the Clasico. Yeah, but what about Zidane now? I think Zidane's a lot of trouble. He looked bewildered for a lot of that match. Yeah, he was walking know. around kind yeah, of like he was sacked already. Yeah, I think it's coming. It's, I think it depends on if Real Madrid can get someone else of quality. 
Or will Pires let him, Florentino Pires might let him have a crack at the Champions League. Yeah, I think that if they lose to PSG, I think he's gone. Oh, no, without a doubt he's gone if they're out to PSG. But if they beat PSG, I think they could just keep him. They're not going to win the league. What are they back now? 13 they're points? 14 points with the game in hand. 14 like, points with the game in hand. That's no not, one's ever recovered yeah. that. Barcelona aren't going to drop that many points. They're not going to drop four matches. Well, yeah. Real Madrid not dropping any. And that will just be enough. Yeah, for them to win it, I don't see it happening. So I think the league is done in Spain. Yeah, and uh, that will do us for the news. Join us after the break, where we will discuss the Premier League midway season. We're halfway through the Premier League season, so now seems like a good time to reflect on what's happened. So that further further adieu, Andrew. What's going on with the top four? Well, Man City have won the league. I think that's... We were, what, 20 matches in? 20 matches now 20 for, matches for in. most teams. Man City have a game in hand and they're, what? They 12 points 12 clear. 12 points clear with, with a game, game in hand. hand. Uh, yeah, Man City have won the league. That's yeah. fair to say. We'll see how well it goes for them. I think they, they'll probably... Won't go the season unbeaten. I don't see that happening. I think Yeah, I think that they they'll get They'll win the league at the end of March and I think they might drop points after that. They yeah. could lose before then as well, for all I know. But I think they've won the league. We'll see what they do in Europe. But what about the other three? three? The other three are more interesting. We're at the moment, as we spoke about in part one, Manchester United are they're not imploding, but they're having another one of their little mini crises. They yeah, haven't but lost. No, this no one's capitalizing on it either. No, no one's capitalizing on anything happening except for Man City. Yeah, and Chelsea have probably been the biggest winners over the last few weeks when they just you know kind of kept the results going. Yeah, but they did draw against Everton as well. Like that's not a they did draw. They result. lost a few weeks ago as well, but. For some reason, they seem to be the best performing of the rest of the Yeah, they're, just, they're, they're only a point off Manchester United now. They're going to play Man United in the near future, I believe. Uh, I, I want think to say so, that, yeah. You know, after this festive period's over in the FA Cup, they're going to play Man United, and that probably decide who gets second, unless Manchester United do have an implosion. Yeah. Like they did, like Chelsea did a few seasons ago. Yeah, yeah. There. Away from that, say, if you have away from... We've a distinct top three, say... Man City, Man United and Chelsea. Yeah, it's kind you of have split. a three-way fight then for fourth place, the last Champions League place. Liverpool, Tottenham and Arsenal are the current challengers. We say. We, no, with all due respect to Burnley, we don't think they're going to hold off the rest of the season as it stands. I think Liverpool, Tottenham and Arsenal, it's a lucky dip between them. I would say Arsenal probably have the best squad and have played the best football this season of those three teams. You know, of overall... But again, Arsenal are away. You know, anything could happen to Arsenal at Christmas. They could sell one of their big players. Yeah. They could bring in other big players. We don't know yet. Liverpool seem to have lost out in Virgil van Dijk. It, it's yeah, seem, going to Man City. Yeah, £60 million deal as well. That's a lot of money. They need to get someone in there to cover centre-half and probably a goalkeeper. I don't see them making either of those signings. Phil Coutinho could be off yeah, the zone as well. Yeah, that's possible. They're being linked with Thomas Lemare, but so are Arsenal. Yeah, I don't see that happening at Christmas unless something changes dramatically for one of those clubs. That yeah, have to and get he'd be cup-tied in the Champions League as well. He would, and Coutinho would be cup-tied for, for Barcelona if yeah. he to go there as well. So that's another consideration. For, for them, if they were to sell them this early, Spurs, you know, we you know we didn't really speak much about them in part one, but Harry Kane has broken the the sw- calendar, the calendar year, year record. non-record of scoring goals. He's got fifty-seven or something, forty or fifty-five goals in in the calendar year of twenty seventeen, which overtakes 
Messi and Cavani. And yeah, all that's all more impressive than the Premier League calendar year thing. That's a total non-record. Yeah. The more impressive stat is that he scored 50 goals in the time since Shane Long has last scored a goal. Yeah, which is pretty impressive for Shane Long. Yeah. He's played quite a few matches in that time. Yeah, the poor guy just can't buy a goal. He can't score a goal. He'll probably score an amazing wonder goal for his next goal and then won't score again for another six months. That would be glorious. But yeah, Harry Kane has carried that team a lot. I fear that if he's not playing, as we saw when he had that brief injury since Yeah, like you lost my United. Lost my United. A possibleist United. We've clearly... Are clearly not a good... They report to a lot of teams... You know, they've got the Champions League coming up again in February. Yeah, you So between now and February... I think Spurs need to stay on their game and not lose many matches. And yeah, it's a good time span for them to try and maybe cement a place in the top four. Yeah, like Chelsea have been doing. You know, that's that's kind of their goal now because I think their focus will shift once Champions League comes back, and we'll see how they do then. Yeah, that's, came, that's kind of the thing as well. Like because Man City are so far ahead in the Cham- or in the Premier League, it means all five English teams in the last sixteen can really focus on the Champions League. Yeah, so it's very possible we see an English winner in the Champions League True. this season, and the Europa League is still a possibility for a victory. So you could possibly see six. Yeah, I could. You see... could all these six teams. It would seem very unlikely, but all six of these teams could potentially qualify for the Champions. That League. That would be weird. Yeah, it Arsenal would be very and Liverpool strange. end up finishing fifth and sixth, but winning the Champions League in the Europa League. Yeah, they'll have would... to figure out something then. Yeah, it would be very strange. I don't believe that will happen, but I, I think in that case. Whoever finished fourth wouldn't get it. I think that's. I think there's yeah, an official one rule. Of the, one of the teams would probably have to drop out, which would be, which would be harsh on that team. But you know, they're the rules. It'd also out. just be kind of funny. It would, especially if it was Spurs, for similar reasons to what happened the last time. Um, so that leaves Liverpool as the other team that are in that race. Yeah, they've been poor, but they've been great. They're it's just a very they're, they're so weird, inconsistent. They're Jekyll and Hyde team where they can go multiple matches without conceding a goal, and then having that Arsenal match on Friday night yeah or they can go and you know just be absolutely diabolical and get destroyed by Spurs or get destroyed by Man City and then come back the following week and win and or do what they did in the Champions League and w- score how many goals did they score in that Champions League they scored League? A, like 25 I think was the final yeah. number yeah that was an immense amount of goals scored in the Champions League you know they are a very strange team and Klopp could make signings in, in the winter transfer window that could prop them up it's very tight at the moment but if I was to absolutely call it the four teams I would say will definitely qualify for the Champions League I don't want to say definitely qualify but I would say Man City Man United Chelsea and Arsenal and maybe not in that order of the you know after Man City yeah 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 I think I think I'd agree with that yeah I think that would like, be my top it four is tight well. like I can see of any bar Man City I can see almost I you can make an argument for any of those teams dropping out below Man City yeah. to 5th and 6th. It's they're, so close. like Yeah, and they are. And what was it? There's three points. There's Arsenal have a game in hand and I think there was, what, three points separating, four points separating Liverpool, yeah, the way it is, The way it is now, Man United are nine points ahead of Arsenal Yeah, with Arsenal a game in, a hand. Game in hand. So if they win that, then it's six points between 6th yeah. and 2nd. Yeah, so there's two match, a two-match turnaround. And they also have to play each other. Yeah. Except for Arsenal and Liverpool. So the other teams have to play each other. You know, anything can happen in those matches. So, you know, that's how it goes. Below that, I don't think it really matters. I think Burnley, if they can keep it going, I think Burnley will finish in the top 10. I don't, like, who else is there? But in terms of, Matthias and I, a few weeks ago, we said who we thought would get relegated. But who do you think will get relegated? We didn't get your At the moment, originally, I didn't think Swans would get relegated. I think they were, they were pulled clear because they just had... The experience in some of their players, and they also had you know the the nous 
and they had made some decent enough signings and they yeah. Boney. I thought they had enough to stay up, but now I'm questioning that. And I think it depends a lot on who they appoint as manager. And if it is Leon Britton, how much of a Swansea mindset he can reintroduce yeah. to that squad. Because I don't think they'll stay up if they continue to play not long ball football, but very functional football. So yeah. Playing under Paul Clement, which I don't think is what Paul Clement wanted to play. But just kind of the players he had at his disposal. Yeah, they weren't playing any, you know, they weren't playing a kind of Ancelotti 4-2-3-1 or 4-3-2-1 formation or anything like that. It was kind of like, okay, get it down the wings. If it's not, well, they would start out playing, you know, kind of progressive football and then it was just, it would regress. It devolved. It. Yeah, get out the wings, put in some crosses, hope for some, you know, goals and off that way. Yeah. And try and hold on defensively. Defensively is where they were, they were slacking, really. Um, well, they were holding up, but they weren't creating anything from then on. So Swansea would be one pick, and then of the other two, that is the difficulty. Yeah, that's the hardest thing to call this year, I think. Like, the teams down there... Like, they're all so bad, if you want to make that argument. Pardew's West Brom. Pardew's not had a good start. No, but he will make some signings, so you can't... Like, if I was to call... But the whole thing with Pardew bringing him in is he brings... Like, when you talk about a new manager bounce, he is the prototypical new manager bounce, new manager. Like, he brings in good form that's part of the contract and he's not brought it well it's early days yeah like they yeah. lost they lost to Stoke yeah and Stoke like I would have like if I was to say based on quality who should go down currently you'd say Swansea West Brom and Stoke but Stoke looking at the table they're in 13th position clear they're almost they're only one match off Huddersfield in 11th yeah and Huddersfield had you know a pretty all things considered all things considered Newcastle had a terrible run of how many six games without a win yeah still comfortable in 15th Southampton cannot score they cannot seem to get yeah results. especially now that Charlie Austin's out for a few weeks with He's injury a, yeah and like they shouldn't be relying on a player like Charlie Austin if no. you're a Premier League club with aspirations to you know like he's a good player team. but you he's can't not, rely on him to lead a line of he's a not a team. talisman no He's a excellent player to have in the squad, but beyond that, no. But they're in 14th. New, like, Palace have escaped. Palace were so... They lost atrocious. the first seven games without and they, scoring. And now they're comfortable. Like, no, I don't want to say comfortable. Roy Hodgson has them in 16 possess with a game in hand. If they win that game in hand, they're up to 12th. Yeah. And you would say at that point, Roy Hodgson's not going to get them relegated from 12th. No. And I would have had them way down. Like, West Ham are pulling out some of the most amazing matches. We didn't even discuss it in the news. That West Ham played an amazing match today. Yeah, I guess Bournemouth. It's because I, I didn't get to see it. I, I tweeted that I wish I did watch it yeah, instead of the Man United match. It was like, what was it? 1-0, West Ham are comfortable, playing it up, and then conceded an equaliser, and Bournemouth are ahead. We're going to the 82nd minute or 83rd minute. Yeah. Arnautovic, come, again, the best player of the season. Maybe. <laughs> best signing of the season, signing of the summer. Comes up and, you know, does his job for his favourite, David Moyes. Scores, equalises, then they kick the lead a few minutes later and then they concede an equaliser. Yeah, like it was pure last minute. Such drama. Like yeah. that's but a pro- brought it's it in. Like, that's it was a, a real Boxing you. Day kind of fixture result. Like, with that, that image. Excitement. He that's does. That's what he does. He doesn't, you know, there's no... Excitement and crosses. It does. A lot of those. And Arnautovic loves those. So you think Arnautovic has been the best signing in the season? Well, you, you know, my heart says Arnautovic. My head probably says Mo Salah. Yeah, Mo Salah seems the Mo, obvious answer. You know, there's other players though. Who who would be more surprised? I'm like, I think the big centre forward signings, without any of them being hugely impressive, they've all been good. Yeah, they've Lukaku's all been worked. Morata has been good. Lacazette's been good. No one else really managed to sign a striker. Yeah, yeah. somewhere of the highest quality. Who do you think has been? Uh, like I, I agree. With, like Salah. Salah is the obvious answer. Like I. 
at the start of the season, I thought Kolasinac would be a good signing, but that's just not turned out to be the case. No, he's, so he scored a few goals. He played. He well started enough. very well, but yeah. now Wenger seems to not trust him. Yeah, so he's gone. I <laughs> thought Richarlison was a very good signing. That is for for a hidden gem of the season so yeah. far. Like he could be gone from Watford in the winter transfer. Yeah, that would surprise like, that me. One, if he that was... would surprise me as like a pure, you know, Liverpool want to. Yeah, bring kind in of someone. Man City when they signed Boney that time. Yeah. Maybe Liverpool sign Richarlison or something like that to try and bol- 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 bolster them. Or maybe even Arsenal if they yeah. want to get rid of Sanchez. They could exactly, bring in Richarlison. Go, or even Spurs if they wanted someone. Like, they have to be ra- 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 wrapping Harry Kane up in Cotton Wall if anything happens to him. Yeah. There's no one creating enough or scoring enough for that team outside of him. And then who's been the worst signing of the season so far? There's probably a lot more for these than best signings like yeah. who, who would be the worst signing? Joe Hart is, Joe Hart is up there throw out he's there, only a loan I mean, signing so he's not a full time one but still a terrible idea yeah because you know people say oh, well Joe Hart that's unfair on Joe Hart but he has actually if you want to look at a player that's actually cost 13 points yeah he's Joe cost Hart them the right most their manager got sacked Joe Hart is up there and then the new manager came in and stopped playing him exactly and their results have improved that's, that's the reality of the situation and you know Moyes does have a habit of dropping keepers. He did it at Everton. He did it at Sunderland when he was at the club. Yeah, he kind of he does do changes for some bizarre reason. But yeah, it's just it's it's working out for him at West Ham. Yeah, but Joe Hart's career is just going. Maybe he should go to like Sunderland or something. Yeah, well, that might be his level. To be quite honest, at this point, yeah, just his confidence is gone. I don't know. I don't think his confidence is gone. He doesn't appear to have any confidence issues. It's just his quality is gone. Yeah. And Who else has been terrible apart from um, Joe Hart at West Ham? Like, there's been big money signings made this summer that haven't really turned out very well. You'd have to say Manchester United have been guilty of a few. Yeah, Maddich hasn't really worked out for the money and the age of the player. Yeah, but more so than Maddich. Victor Lindelof as well. Who has not performed. Who at least is several years younger than Emmanuel Maddich. So there is still time for that. But so far, yes, he has been one of the worst signs. He's been one of the worst signs this season, easily. Like, I don't think Liverpool have been too bad. Everton brought in... Everton brought in a lot of players that um, haven't really worked out. Davy Klassen... Again, one for the future, but yeah, yeah. You, they we bought, have to judge him on. What's they bought three happened. players who played the same position in David Class and, and somehow Sigerson Wayne Rooney's Wayne been Rooney. the best one. And Wayne Rooney's been the best. You know, Big Sam is pulling stuff out with, with Sigerson, so we can yeah, see his it. form has improved. Maybe but, it was just an issue with uh, Coleman, this, but, the system. Yeah, that Coleman was playing. Yeah, Sandro as well up front, not been the best. No, and you can make a few arguments for strikers f- further down the league that haven't really. Worked out. Yeah, uh, uh, Kelechi Iheanacho at Leicester. Kind of uh, something for nothing. They're still overly reliant on uh, Jamie Vardy for creating things. Yeah. But, you know, yeah, a lot of teams spent a lot of money. Hesse at, I know it's another loan. But yes, Hesse at, and, uh, and Koviak another loan. Yeah. But then I want to just off that, because it may remind me, uh, Jocelyn at Newcastle. Yeah, a complete reject at Stoke. Scored against Liverpool. Scored against Liverpool. No, but I think he's been an actual all right signing. Yeah, he's been better than he expected. He scored a few goals, which is probably like, what did he cost? Not that much. Four or five million. Yeah, and how much did you make from score? You know, they won a few matches. Yeah, he's probably, he's probably made back the Yeah, because the they prize money at the end of the year probably like a hundred million and he'll make up his transfer fee for that. Yeah, actually, I didn't really think about that. Yeah, he's been one of the surprise signings. Yeah. So are you looking forward to the second half of the season? 
Yes and no. Like we said, like it is tough when you know Man City probably won the league. And yeah, you see, like Man United not doing well, but then every other team. It's the period between now well. and when the Champions League comes back that I think will be a little will be a lull. But I think when the Champions League comes back, like the Champions League is set up really well. This yeah, season. there's a lot of good draws coming up in the in the knockout. Yeah, series. and we'll talk about that around the time of yeah, those so, fixtures. But on the pure Premier League side, I think it's not going to be the most interesting season in the world. So you're saying we're not going to look back on this season in 10 years' time, maybe? No, maybe in the way that if you remember Norwich City, Crystal Palace, uh, West, West Brom, and some other team who I've now forgotten, unfortunately. Middlesbrough, maybe? No, they didn't get relegated that season. But there was a, there was a season where yeah, four teams yeah. are on the same points and they could all stay up on the last day of the season. And, and West, West Brom, Brom were last. Brian Robson. They're last. They're the first club to stay up. Who were last at Christmas? By the way, the team that are last at Christmas this year, Swansea uh, City. Swansea City, yeah. And you know that's generally. Across. Although the last few seasons, Leicester famously came yeah, last, which was amazing, and they won the league. They won the league. They were top uh, the next Christmas. Yeah, so that that can happen, but I don't think Swansea will be top. This time, Leon Burton leading them to Champions League glory. I don't really see it happening. Yeah. Uh, I think there is one of the most open relegation battles there has been in years. Yeah. In, pre- in the last few years, and I've, we've talked about this as well before, there have been clear, awful teams bringing the whole league down. You'd have a Sunderland who were just dire. Yeah. You'd have an Aston Villa the previous season. You'd have, going back, Derby County, if you remember, a Sunderland yeah. other season. We talk about Swansea having 12 now. Derby had 12 yeah, that season. season. It was pretty poor. You know, this can happen. There isn't a team really like that this season. Everyone's yeah. within range of each other to an extent. Like, you saw that, you know, what was it? Crystal Palace hadn't scored, hadn't won seven matches in a row. But they're... And now they're clear in, and they have 18 points. You know, it isn't outside the realm of possibility for Swansea to pick up, you know... Yeah, 15, if they can pick up a run, yeah. In the next 10 games. Yeah. You know, which isn't great either, but it puts them, it, you know... Yeah, it keeps them in the relegation, yeah. yeah. Keeps them in the fight. Yeah, exactly. And so I think anyone from basically the top 10 down... I think Everton are safe. And yeah. Watford are probably safe. But from Huddersfield down, any of those teams. Yeah. And you Huddersfield Stoke, and Southampton, Newcastle, Crystal Palace, West Ham, Bournemouth, and West Brom, along with Swansea, are all that whole bottom half. Yeah. Of and like, it'll be interesting to see how Huddersfield and Brighton cope with the second half of their first year exactly. in the Premier League now. Exactly. Whether they have the longevity for it and whether teams have sussed them out now. Because what has happened in previous years, we we'll say, if you think, look at. Even just look at Middlesbrough. Reading, Middlesbrough last season. They looked pretty comfortable at Christmas last year. They yeah. were kind of higher mid table, or kind of they were proper mid table. Yeah. yeah, they were like eleventh or twelfth. They yeah. looked safe, and they they were terrible. Because the teams half. teams suss them out. It's yeah, like, okay, they can. They defend. don't reinvent themselves exactly. So you have to stay on the game, and that's where you have the experience of somewhere like Chris Houghton, who, who has been in the league before. He has yeah. kept teams up, and, and Huddersfield don't rely on their defense like Middlesbrough do. No, they don't. And, well, he's at Brighton. And then Huddersfield, Wagner, you know, he's an unknown quantity, but he has had a reputation for, you know, changing the style of football. Yeah. So maybe you give him a bit more of a... Like, I'm not expecting them to get relegated, but it's still, like, I'm not... I wouldn't be shocked if they went down. Exactly. And that's the same for any of those other teams. Like, Stoke are managing to pull results out at the moment, keeping Mark Hughes in the job. But, you know, I yeah. think they're playing some of the worst football in the league. And I think just they've been fortunate that... For somehow they they have enough points accumulated from the early season to yeah. keep them up in that lower mid table position. Yeah, I, like the the relegation battle is the the story for the second half yeah, season. And the, the top four race could be interesting, but yeah, but I it's don't not. See it. It's not a title race. No, 
it's going to be last day of the season there'll be a battle between the team in fourth and the team in fifth most likely yeah whoever that may be of Liverpool, Tottenham and Arsenal most likely but the quality of football will hopefully be interesting hopefully hopefully and uh, that will do us for our talk with the show join us after the break where we will do another guest the player challenge Welcome back uh, for the final part of this show. We're going to close it out with a guest the player challenge. We thought it went well last week. It did. I thought I liked it. Uh, so the way this works, um, whereby I will give people, or I will give teammates to the player that I've picked to my co-host, and he's try to figure out which player I've picked. Go for it. Uh, Pepe Reina. Okay. Sergio Aguero. Okay. Juan Fran. Okay. Javier Mascherano. Okay. Didier Drogba. Okay. David Silva. Oh, okay. And Robbie Keane. Robbie Keane. I think I might have it. Who do you think it is? Is, is it Fernando Torres? It is Fernando oh, Torres. Okay. Very impressive. That was a lot easier than I thought it would be. Yeah, maybe I'll have to up my game you, next you time. You might have to because it kind of gives it away a bit easy. Think of another one. Quickly. quickly. How did, how, no, get, work, work through how you got that so quickly. Okay, so uh, immediately you say Pepe Reina, I think it's either a Liverpool or a Spanish player. Yeah. So, and then the next pair you said after Pepe Reina was... Pepe Reina was Sergio Aguero. Sergio Aguero. So then it, it, it focused me down. So it's okay, Liverpool, Spanish, Atletico Madrid. When I thought of Sergio Aguero, where he started his European career. Yeah. And then the next pair was Juan Fran, who was also played for Atletico Madrid. Yeah. Focused me on Atletico Madrid. There's not that many players who've played for, you know... For Atletico and Liverpool. Atletico and Liverpool, so... Then the next player was Javier Mascherano, who was only played for Liverpool. Yeah. So that reinforced my decision on it being a Liverpool player. Okay. And then the next one was Didier Drogba. So that cast a whole, that was a wild card. So Didier Drogba hasn't played for Atletico Madrid, but he has played for Chelsea, Marseille, and the Ivory Coast, along with US teams. Now, discarding the US teams because I don't know enough about their squads. Yeah. I thought, okay, who has played for Atletico and Chelsea and Liverpool? And the only player that came to head, first of all, was Fernando Torres. And then the next player was... Next player was David Silva. Who has not played for Atletico Madrid and only played for Spain, so then it must be a Spanish player. Yeah. And then the last one was... Robbie Keane. Robbie Keane, who played with Fernando Torres at Liverpool. I was hoping he'd forget that. And that was, that was like, <laughs> happy Fernando Torres. Okay, so congratulations. It was uh, much quicker than David Beckham last week. I'll have yeah. to go with someone more obscure. Eric Jemba Jemba, it is. Eric Jemba Jemba is such a... Difficult player to, <laughs> to characterize. Uh, that will do us for this week's show. Uh, I want to thank you, everyone, for listening. And uh, email us at the tfpod at gmail.com if you have any guest player suggestions, because clearly I need to up my game. Please do. Uh, follow us on Twitter at the tfpod. Follow both of us on Twitter. I'm at cheesyharpon. Andrew's at kanban27. Uh, please subscribe rate and review on whatever platform you use and uh, if you're still with the family at Christmas or any of your holidays tell tell them about the show and tell any friends that you might see at New Year's and uh, until next time Andrew say goodbye goodbye and uh, it's goodbye from me